I'm Chris Biddle, and this episode marks the start of a fresh era as I introduce a new podcast, a new channel, if you like, the AgriTurf Academy. The Academy will complement our existing Inside AgriTurf podcast, which is already populated with more than 100 fascinating episodes. The Academy will focus on people, not products, on business improvement and personal development for anybody working in the land-based engineering sector. All episodes will be delivered by experts in their field. So let me introduce my first guest in the Academy series, Sinjin Craner. Originally from Essex, Sinjin took a degree course in advertising, marketing and media at Bournemouth University before moving to New Zealand. He worked for agencies such as McCann Erickson and Young and Rubicon in the UK, Australia and New Zealand. He subsequently founded Agrarian, a company specialising exclusively in training of rural sales and marketing teams. And over the years, he's worked with the likes of John Deere, Case IH, Vodafone, Bayer, DLF Seeds, to name just a few. Sinjin is a speaker, blogger, and podcaster, and writes for New Zealand Marketing Magazine, Dairy Exporter, Farmers Weekly, and other. And he joins me from his home in the Hawke's Bay region in the North Island of New Zealand, and is going to talk today about the art of the sales conversation. So, Sinjin, a very warm welcome. That's an interesting title. So, is selling an art? Ah, uh, good question as always, Chris. It's an art, and then there's some science. And my supplementary question to that is, you and I are concerned with selling into a, a rural audience, farmers, people who work on golf courses in grounds and, and grounds care. Is that different? Does it provide different challenges to talking to the general public, shall I say, the consumers? Yeah, they are a different market and they're wired differently because they've chosen to take a different occupation, right? So with people that live on the land or rely on their income from the land, they score very high on agency or autonomy, which means they're control freaks. So there is so much that farming rural community cannot control. You know, tariffs, um, grain silos being blown up, trade wars, uh, dollar, currency shifts, recession, input costs, all the rest of it. So what happens is when you're selling to a agricultural uh, and, and to a lesser degree to the consumer, but regardless, people have a natural aversion to being sold to. And this is why we hate this word sales, because it conjures up all these yucky, salesy, sleazy connotations when someone jumps onto us when we walk into a Marks and Sparks or a Paris or a, or whatever. But what it means is, yeah, we just we just don't like being sold to. And farmers particularly don't like being sold to, which is where I specialize in, because they score really high on agency and autonomy. What I mean by that is they are autonomous. They like being their own boss because if they weren't, they wouldn't farm, right? So yeah, you know, the, the worst thing you can do is actually sell to someone. And the most important thing you need to do is serve, and we can we can unpack that a bit. Indeed, and and if you get all this right, then Sinjin, do people uh, change from being skeptics to actually enjoy being sold to? If you get it absolutely right, yeah. So what I often transpose is we very much use this word selling or sales or sold. I don't like this concept of people kind of being sold to. 
I want to make sure my buyers have a really good buying experience. People love to buy, but they hate to be sold. So no one comes back and goes, oh, I just loved being sold to by that guy or with the mower or the, or the raker or the tether, whatever you're selling. Uh, no, what you want to do is that was a really good experience for me and I really enjoyed it. And, and, and it's really important because ultimately all sales start from a sort of threat and fear response from your prospect, but we want them to be a superior experience. We want to be everything that the others aren't, Chris. So there are some very, unfortunately, because the world is getting more desperate and the markets are getting tighter, sales teams on the whole are getting worse because they're not being trained in the art of the subtleties and nuances, the fluency of the conversation in sales, which we'll talk about. So what happens is they're being, all these prospects are being sold to. So their biological brain freezes or fights or flights. So we're in that, what we call our sympathetic nervous system. And when a, when a client or prospects in front of you and they're scared because they don't feel like they're in control because they like to be in control, all humans do. They're going to shut down. They don't want to be sold to. The only way you're going to open up your customers is to make them feel safe. So there's a lot in there. So your earlier question, is it an art or is it a science? It is a bit of both. And obviously, I'll tell you more around the psychology, but I'll also give you some of the art in terms of the the magic, the magical moments that you need to have uh, in those sales. Well, what we're going to do is is actually split this uh, episode into two parts. And I think that falls very neatly into two distinct uh, parts of the sales process. Uh, one is listening, hard listening, uh, watching for signs and, uh, and really, uh, really learning as much as you can about the person that you're talking to. And in the second part, we will, we'll talk about having kept your mouth shut for some time. And, and and gain some insight in what uh, the, the client or the customer uh, really wants, we're going to address uh, what how we should be talking to them and how whether or not the, the words that we should be using, the phrases that we should be using in order to make them feel comfortable, I guess. So let's just go back to the listening aspect uh, of it. And listening, uh, Sinjin, we would have to link with watching as well, would we? Yeah, the two go hand in hand. I mean, I think it's very important that uh, there's a distinction between listening and hearing, and there's a there's a distinction between watching and seeing. So sometimes we might be listening, but we're not hearing it. If anyone's got children, they understand what I mean by that. They say they're listening, but they're not hearing what's being said. Same for teachers in classrooms. And sometimes people are watching, they're not actually seeing what's sometimes not being said or what's not being done in terms of behavior. There are some behavioral cues and some buying signals. If we get time, we can get into it as well. So really, it's all about this concept of attunement. So say you're dialing in your FM radio to Radio 4, Radio 3, whatever you're into. There is a very precise dial or frequency that you need to dial in to truly be present with your prospect. And it's very, very important that a lot of people in life these days aren't listened to, um, aren't seen for who they are, um, aren't asked for advice, aren't appreciated. We're, we're incredibly hungry uh, for appreciation and value and respect. So we want to convey that, as you rightly say, by listening. 
But really what we need to do is we need to be hearing out the things and most importantly, hearing what's not being said as opposed to what's being said and then surfacing what's not being said using questions. And Chris, you know me, we've spoken about this, I think, before. If there's one tool any salesperson in this agri community can understand, it is the importance of asking questions, the right questions at the right time in the right way to the right people. Now, there's a lot in there, and I'll unpack it for, for the listeners, but it's incredibly important that when you are, because there is listening and watching, and there's also the missing ingredient there is talking. Now, a lot of salespeople, we call it uh, show up and throw up routine or verbal vomit, uh, for want of better phraseology. And and it's some, it sells is not something we do to someone. It's something we do with someone. So we do not sell to them. We support their buying decision. The best thing we can do is stop selling, start serving, and play the role of buyer assistant. We want to support them in their buying decision. You're going to get a lot further in sales and career, making money, putting food on the table, and keeping your sales manager happy if you support the buyer's decision and understanding how they make that decision. And the key to unlocking that is to ask really good questions. And if you're listening and you're watching, what, what are the key signs that you want to be uh, focusing on with your customer? How do you, uh, I shall say, drag him or her into the area that will give you the most information, the most useful information then, uh, Sinjin? So it all starts with meeting them where they're at. So you have to understand that and this is where the science kicks in and we'll talk about the art as well, is the science is we know that when you meet uh, someone for the first time, there is a lack of trust and there's a certain fear response. And it's like when we go to a party or we walk into a pub where we know no one or we go to the gym for a gym class or a spin class and everyone looks around and everyone goes, who's this person? Who's this person? And that's an automatic biological threat response. We're immediately scanning for safety. That's what our first brain, our biological brain called the amygdala, which is the bottom of our brain and it connects to our vagus nerve to all our vital organs. That's the thing that goes off first. So the first thing we have to do is we have to put our customers or our prospects at ease because we know now that they are, they're in a frightened, fearful threat response because they've been burnt and bruised by so many, excuse my language, piss poor sales experiences before where people have sold to them. So what we do is we convey safety by being sincere in our intent, by asking really good questions. Chris, I might ask you, I might meet you, Chris, and I say, Chris, great to catch up. Before I, before I talk any further, we've got 20 minutes together. What would you like to know most about X? How would you best want to use the time we've got together? Have you noticed immediately I'm serving your needs, not mine. I'm not going to show up, throw up, verbal vomit, telling ain't selling mode. I'm asking you what you want to know. Now, a lot of guys in the agri-tech space that I train, and one in California, as we sort of venture out beyond New Zealand and Aussie, and we're, we're coming to the UK as well, because that's where I'm born from, is you can't just go straight into sales mode. You've got to go into servant mode. And that will put your customers at ease, because immediately your customers are ready to go, oh, I don't feel so scared now, because this person really wants to know what I want. They're not interested in serving their own needs. They want to serve mine. So that's a really good way to start. Another way to start is, Chris, look, uh, maybe you're on the farm, uh, which is, you know, obviously what I specialize in. Chris, look, 
we've got a system or we've got a piece of machinery and it works really, really well for, us, for some farmers. I'm not even sure if this is going to work well in your operation and your system, but I've got a few questions I'd love to ask you to qualify if this is something that is even worth making sense for us to have a further conversation about. Is that, is that all right? So what I'm doing there is I'm not assuming the sale because as soon as I assume the sale and serve my own needs, I elicit the threat response, the fear response, and that buyer's going to going to shut down. Does that yeah, make sense? But, and, and what happens if you're having this conversation and, and you get uh, a distinct uh, impression that the guy is not tuned into what you're saying, what, what do you do then? Do you, do, do you bail out graciously and, and maybe go back later or do you try and turn it around? And how would you deal with it? Yeah, so the first thing is we want to be setting appointments. Um, yep, we can, we can drive up driveways and we can introduce ourselves, get a business card or get the, get the name and the number and then leave them be. Often when I train my guys, often the first meeting is literally just a meet and greet. Hey, good to meet you, Chris. I'm the new rep in the area. I just want to do this to myself. I don't want to take any of your time now. I'd love to catch up with you at some point. Normally, by just being that polite and respecting their time, they go, okay, cool. So what, what do you do? What, what, what are you selling? Or, you know, they will, they will open you up because you have shown some um, respect to them. So when you've got in your conversation, if that person's distracted, you probably got them at the wrong time or you didn't set an appointment. The beauty about setting an appointment is they've agreed to meet you. They've agreed to give you some time. It might be 15 minutes. It could be 50 minutes. So what you want to do, like I said before, is they're not going to be distracted generally. Of course, you know, milk and shit could be breaking down. Header's gone. Bloody mower, straight bar, conditioned bar's gone. Crap. We all know what it's like on farm. You did this as well, Chris. Remember when you were selling? But what you want to do is you want to just sort of get them to agree to a time. And I think the way we framed up that first conversation, we've got 20 minutes together. I know you're a really, really busy bloke or busy lady. How best would you like to use the time that we've got together? What would you like to know most? And they will go straight into, because guess what? People like talking about themselves. They don't want to hear about me rattling on about how great my product is or how great my software is or whatever else, because that's a show up throw up routine. You know, it's conversations, not presentations. It's conversations, not demonstrations, right? So you don't just rock up and straight into sales mode. We want to align ourselves with the buyer. So we do that by one, setting an appointment and then two, asking them what they want. Now, by just doing those two things, particularly the second thing, you're going to differentiate yourself from 90% of other reps. Is there a huge difference between what they think they want and what they actually want? Yes. Yes. Great question. I've, I've come across this. Often what happens is because we are in our human brain when we are selling and often our prospect, we haven't met them for the first time, we're in their biological, what we call reptilian brain or amygdala, which is Latin for almonds, which is the size of that amygdala. It's the most powerful and oldest part of our brain. They're in that amygdala state brain. We're in our prefrontal cortex, our highly functioning human brain. So there's a huge disconnect. So what it, what it means is we need to Meet them where they're at. Now, Chris, I've just lost my train of thought. Give me the question again because it was a bloody good one. I, I want about, well, I've got it. I've got it. Want and needs. Want and needs. So what it is, is we, we are in a prefrontal cortex. So we've already played this scenario in our head because we've had this conversation hundreds or thousands of times. Every farm and every farm is different. Okay. 
So we need to treat them as such, even though we know that we can spot the patterns because our brain is lazy. 2% of our body mass is about 20% of our energy drawing. So our brain goes, ah, I've been here before. I know what this guy wants. I know what this lady wants. I'm just going to tell him. I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tell him. And you've got to be quiet. So what you do is you've got to let your patient, so sell like a doctor, let your patient tell you about their condition. Uh, don't interrupt. Listen, empathize, use uh, what we call elicitation questions. The three magic words here, listeners, tell me more. What's really, really important is we recognize what what we need to do is sell them what they want and then give them what they need. This is very, very important definition. Often what happens is someone will say something, you go, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. I know what you, I know what you need. I know what you need. You need, need this. Now they don't feel heard or seen or understood. So they don't feel trusting. They don't feel safe and they're going to recoil. They're going to retrieve. So what you do is say, yeah, okay. Tell me more about that. Oh yeah. How come? So what's the impact and location there? Yeah. That must be a real headache or a hassle for you. So, so what are some of the solutions you've looked at to get from there to there? And so. By having those little little prompting questions, what happens is you can get them to where they want to be. You don't force the sale. You don't force them. Let them tell you what they want and then sell them what you need because we don't like being sold to. We like to come to our own volition and our own understanding. We can only do that by drawing it out of our customer and surfacing it from our customer. Don't tell when you're selling. You need to listen. You need to ask. You need to prompt clarify, qualify, and surface their real reasons for why they've got a particular pain or problem. Sorry, Chris, it was a long answer to a very important no, question. No, and this podcast goes to a mix of people that range from farmers who are effectively B to B customers to B to C customers in the garden machinery uh, industry. And of course, there's so much information out there through consumer magazines and television programs. And people pick up on this and they go into the dealership and they say, I know what I want. Uh, and as they gradually unveil what they've got to tackle, it becomes very obvious very quickly that they're completely barking up the wrong tree. And whatever they, whatever they think they want is completely unsuitable to them. Do, do you let them down very softly on that sort of approach? Now, what we do is we, we use, you know, Questions are a clarification message. Questions signal that you have a genuine intent to serve if you ask them in the right way at the right time. Questions such as if I came into a dealership and I'd seen something on Witch or Consumer or whatever it is now, I remember my mum and dad used to have Witch as a subscription on the kitchen table at the farm. I would go, Chris, awesome. Just tell me what, what job do you want? What specific job do you want this machine to do for you? And then you're going to tell me and you go, actually, Actually, these docking stations, and because you've got an uneven land, that's not going to work for you. This is what we usually do with a similar situation or garden or landscape to yours. So can I show you that? So we ask permission for them to show us what it is. So, you know, it's very simple that we we clarify and we help the customer on their buying journey, ask them questions. As you rightly say, use the word unveil. I use the word surface. Same thing is we're using questions to literally kind of unpeel the onion, unpeel the layers to get to the real reasons because often people don't actually know what they want. And so by just asking simple clarifying questions 
important, such as what's the specific job you need this machine to do for you on your property, they're going to give you the answer. So tell me more about your lawns or tell me about your turf or your ground keeping facilities or your council and park, whatever it happens to be. They will then open up and tell you more and more. And then you prompt them like a good chat show host, like a good journalist. And you follow that line of questioning. You get them to unveil in your words or surface in mine the specificity of what they need because their situation to them is specific to them, even though we've probably seen that situation hundreds, if not thousands of times before. How highly do you rate personal recommendations from people in the same field? Because if you're building up a portfolio of customers, then you will know what various customers are using for various tasks and so on and so forth. Do you do you ask those customers if they are absolutely satisfied with the machine that you sold? Do you mind if 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 I come across somebody who um, has a similar problem to you? If 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 he gets in touch with you or you get in touch with him, because quite honestly, I mean, I I interviewed a turf contractor, a sod contractor actually, because he was in Florida uh, uh, recently. He was a member of a um, of a trade association, and most of their sales came as personal recommendations through the. Uh, fellow uh, sod producers as well. So, I mean, personal recommendation is is a very useful tool. And and you as a conduit of uh, information, presumably, Sinjin, are, are in the right position to actually pass on that information and pass on those contacts. Yeah, absolutely. We're all in the business of serving, not selling. So I, when we train teams, um, we talk about alpha farmers or alpha growers or alpha clients. Now, these aren't big 800-pound uh, silverback gorillas. They're just – how I unpack that is word of mouth and referral be any kind of social digital marketing push because people – when you want a chippy or you want a sparky or you want a plumber, you're going to ask your network first. That's the first place you go to. You don't go to Google. You go to your network because you trust your network most. Your customers, the ones that are happy with you, you want to serve them so well that they're a walking endorsement for you 24-7. So what it means is that that customer that you've got, that you can drop into a conversation. So for me, you know, I can say I've worked for, um, I've worked with Bayer or I've worked with uh, Heinegger or I've worked with John Deere. I drop these names not just to be a show-off, but because they carry kudos and they carry, carry gravitas. So it reduces the cynicism and skepticism of the person I'm selling to going, this person actually... I, I, I like them because hopefully I try to be a warm individual rather than cold, which is really important. We'll get into that. I know this person now and I trust this person because they've conveyed conversation really well. They've asked questions that serve their needs, not mine. And they've worked with businesses very similar to mine and solved very similar uh, problems for me. So that level of trust goes up. There's a key point I want listeners to take away here. It is not word of mouth. It is word of which mouths. Okay, so it's very specific. Not all mouths are created equal. There are some farmers or some customers that carry more weight and more gravitas and more credibility than others. Those are the ones you really, really want to look after. Little tip, if you're starting out in a new territory, there will be some plants that have strategic value. I have a uh, deer farming client here that does velvet and venison. Small client for me uh, commercially, very, very big for me strategically. He has high strategic value. His father's on a number of big uh, cooperative dairy boards and farming boards. And I look after this guy really well, even though he's probably not my biggest client. So there are some clients you want because they have a 
strategic value that you can lend leverage in those conversations to reduce that cynicism and skepticism so the customer goes, oh, I feel safe because this person knows my industry, they know the kind of problems I've got, and they've worked with similar businesses. So if you've got really good clients, then yeah, absolutely, you should be mentioning them and name-dropping them into conversation, not like confetti, not millions of them, but one or two of them. And you say, Chris, look, the best thing probably really is to come out, come out to John Doe's farm and see this machine in action, and you can kind of judge with your own eyes and see for yourself. Then you can go away. You can make your own mind up if this is something that might be similar that's going to work on on your farm. Yeah, How that, 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 sound? that sounds fine. And just before we finish this this first section uh, of this podcast, I talked earlier about what you do when you are you're not really getting the attention of uh, the customer in front of you for a number of reasons, as you say, there may well be problems on the farm and so on and so forth. But equally, you may be going into a customer, and, and the body language, the chemistry between you two. It's just not right. Is that retrievable or do you sometimes have to um, take the decision and say, look, I need to stand back, give myself a bit of time and, and, and maybe sort of reapproach this and reappraise this in time? Yeah. So what happens when you, when, if you're alert and aware enough and a lot of reps aren't to pick up those signals, something's going wrong. Now, I say to my students, you are responsible for your own objections. You are responsible for your customers' objections. They go, what do you mean, Sinjin? What it means is somehow you haven't planned or prepared. You don't make your, feel, your, don't make your buyer feel safe. You're asking questions that serve your needs, not theirs. So they, they're showing you those signals where they're retreating and recoiling, and they're not opening up because they don't feel safe with you, probably because you're trying to sell to them. That's the reason why you get these signals. You need to stop selling. Chris, I've said this time and time again to every podcast I've been on, and I have to keep repeating it so everyone understands it. The problem with sales is selling. Stop selling. Stop selling and start serving by asking really intelligent, pre-planned and prepared questions. That's where you're going to stop those signals happening. If you do get into that conversation where he or she is a bit distracted, you might want to say, look, I might, I think I might have got you at a bad time here. Would you like to carry on this conversation another time and then agree another time? And you go, look, yeah, absolutely. Cause the, basically the back pump just shit itself. I'm in a hell of a bind and I've got contractors coming. So I can't talk to you right now, mate. So you go, that's absolutely fine. How about, shall I come and see you next Wednesday around three o'clock? Does that work? You do not leave that meeting without another appointment in your diary. And you can say to that prospect, we can always change that closer to time. But let's just put something in the diary now um, because you've got a lot on. I've got a lot on too. I will be back here next Wednesday at 3 o'clock. Does that sound okay? Then you've got that anchor. Then you've got that agreement. Then you can start. The other way you can save it or rescue it or resuscitate it is I might say to you, Chris, I feel probably what we're talking about here isn't really adding any value for me. Do you mind if we just... Could we start with a clean slate here? Could I just start right from word go and ask you a different question? So you reset it because you recognize that you're not getting through on that thing. And that is the signal to yourself to say, stop selling, start serving. Now, then the question you might ask is, what is the problem that you're trying to solve here? Great question. I'm going to repeat it again. Are we conscious of time? What is the problem you're trying to solve here? This will open up, unveil, and surface the real reason why they want to have a conversation. That's great. Well, look, as I said, we're, we're splitting this episode into two parts. 
and we've talked about listening and watching for signs. Um, in the second part, we will be talking more about speaking, about talking, the, the actual questions you should be asking and, and how you ask them. So for, for the moment, Sinjin, thank you very much indeed. And we'll, we'll return to this subject in the next episode. Thank you very much. Well, plenty of food for thought there which uh, Sinjin would expand on part two of the art of the sales conversation. The next episode in the AgriTurf Academy has an equally intriguing title. The customer is always right, question mark, which will be given by Dan Pratt, who runs a customer experience agency, DAP Consultancy, who once worked on a complaints phone line being shouted at for eight hours a day. I'm Chris Biddle. Thank you for joining me. Very much appreciated. And this is Inside Equiturf 2.0.